Welcome to democracyonthemove.org, a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true democratic principles. This episode was recorded on Sunday, June 27, 2021. I'm Dan Schaefer, and thank you for joining us. The past two weeks, we've been in rerun mode. We reran our interview with Ann Nelson regarding her book, Shadow Network, and we also reran our interview with Max Berger from an organization known as More Perfect Union. So, why all the reruns? Well, I have to confess, we took a short summer break. My wife and I traveled to her hometown of Permarend, which is just north of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. We were busy visiting with her friends and family, and while well, she has six siblings in all, plus two sons and their wives and a grandson. Though our visit lasted nearly two weeks, every day we had a lot of activities, so I found very little time to work on a podcast. I also produced the podcast for the Alliance Party, and during the break we did publish, or we did rerun one of those podcasts. However, with the help of our host at the Alliance Party, we were able to record a new podcast with Iana Crawford, who is the Black Caucus Chair for the Alliance Party. If you'd like to tune into that show, tune into theallianceparty.com slash podcast. It's all one word, theallianceparty.com slash podcast. So yes, I produce two podcasts, and that keeps me very busy. I run the podcast here at Democracy on the Move because I'd like to keep it as independent as possible from any political party. Until recently, I was the Missouri State Chair for the Alliance Party, but it was nearly impossible to run two podcasts, execute the functions of a party chair, and hold down a full-time job as a software developer. And, uh, oh yes, I'm also married. So, something had to give, and so I surrendered the state chair position. Back to my trip to the Netherlands. During our numerous visits with friends and family, I was able to engage in a number of discussions regarding politics, and I'd have to say that overall, people in the Netherlands, you know, the Dutch, well, they actually follow U.S. politics quite closely. I was surprised in my discussions that many people know of the senators and representatives in the U.S., and they have a general feel for what goes on in our country. On one occasion, as a matter of fact, I was with my brother-in-law as we drove down a street near one of the beach towns on the North Sea, and an older gentleman was riding his bike up the street in the opposite direction. And the guy, he looked just like Bernie Sanders, so I just blurted it out. I says, hey, there goes Bernie Sanders. And my brother-in-law, he just started laughing. He understood the joke right away because he knows very well who Bernie Sanders is. And meanwhile, I have to confess, I don't know that much about Dutch politicians. And um, I don't know Dutch politicians the way the Dutch people really know American politicians, put it that way. Anyway, the people I spoke with were very mystified on how our elections are conducted. And most significantly, they were clueless on how our presidential electoral process works. And they didn't understand how a candidate can actually win a majority of the popular vote and still not get elected. So I tried to explain it. I went something like this. People in the states elect members of every office directly, and that includes everything from the local dog catcher up to our U.S. Congress, as well as our governors. But when it comes to the president, we don't elect him or her directly. Instead, we vote for a panel of proxies, which we call electors, who then cast their vote for president. In all but two states, the designated electors all vote the same, depending on the popular vote of the state. So, even if a president wins a popular vote in a state by just one vote, he or she gets all the electoral votes for that state. So as her eyes glazed over in an expression of confusion, I decided to throw another whopper at them. 
I pointed out that the electors can actually vote for a different president. I mean, there's very little, if any, penalty to throw all the states of votes for a president that is different than the one who won the popular vote for that state. So my new Dutch students of U.S. politics were, well, understandably confused. They asked why. Why would the Constitution set up such an insane system of voting in the first place? And my answer was very simple. Slavery. When the U.S. Constitution was written, states that held slaves wanted to count their slaves as people so that they could get more representation in the federal government and more influence on the determination of the president. Yet at the same time, and they didn't want their slaves to vote, so the compromise was that each slave would count as three-fifths of a man. This gave tremendous number of electoral votes to the southern states, giving them tremendous amount of power and in fact, it resulted in slaveholding Virginia to have overriding determination of the president for the first three decades of this country's history. The problem is that when slavery was eliminated, the Electoral College remained. And I guess it wasn't considered a huge problem at the time. I mean, after all, for the most part, the winner of the popular vote was the winner of the presidency. There were some exceptions. The 1888 defeat of Grover Cleveland by Benjamin Harrison was the last known exception until the 2000s. Out of the six presidential elections we've had in this century so far, two of them were won by people who did not win the popular vote. George W. Bush in 2000 and Donald Trump in 2016. Now, needless to say, as soon as I mentioned President Trump, the Dutch people I spoke to all had the same reaction. Hi is in Balsack. Okay, I won't interpret that for you, but it's a fairly strong insult. So we started talking about what really took place during January 6th of this year when the Capitol came under attack. Now I explained that Trump's supporters on that day attempted to overthrow the votes of electors and effectively execute a coup. The idea was you know, somewhat plausible. I mean, if you could interfere with the counting of the electoral votes and at the same time get the legislators in the, some of the key states like Pennsylvania or Georgia or Arizona to redesignate a different panel of electors and then resubmit the results, well, then technically Trump could have been reinstated. But it was more of a pipe dream because all the states had already sent in the results from their electoral votes, so trying to overturn them on January 6th when the votes were to be formally counted well, it was a bit like closing the barn door after the horse left. In fact, I call it an insurrection because the process was a direct attempt to steal the government from the people. Anyway, our conversation then turned to Dutch politics, and I have to admit I'm fairly uneducated in that area. But what I did learn was that the Dutch have multiple parties. They're not stuck in a two-party system like the U.S. Instead, they have a multi-party system, and usually no one party ever gets the overall majority of votes. Now, this may sound like a recipe for chaos, but it actually turns out to be a good thing. Having no one party with a majority forces all of them into a cooperative relationship to form a coalition government. I very much like that idea. I dream of the day when our state and national legislators come from more than two parties, where no one party has a majority. This would force our Congress to cooperate and break the stalemates and perhaps actually get something done other than posturing for the next election. 
Even better, I look forward to the day when we can have ranked choice voting so you don't have to feel like you're throwing your vote away by casting your vote for someone outside the duopoly. In other words, you can actually vote for someone rather than against someone else. Now to be sure, all is not bliss in the Netherlands. They struggle with extremists in their parties as well, and sometimes there is a complete breakdown within the government, which forces them to create entirely new coalitions and reconstruct their government in order to continue doing business. But just for entertainment, let's take a look at the numbers. Their most popular party, called the People's Party for Freedom and Democracy, obtained 22% of the vote in the last general election. Imagine that. The most popular party only got 22% of the vote, which means all the other parties had to split what was left, right? Now, there are 37 parties in all, as far as I could tell, um, though the largest percentage of votes were you know, very much skewed toward the top half dozen or so. As a matter of fact, the bottom party, called the Greens, got a whopping 119 votes out of more than 10 million cast. But it's still kind of refreshing to consider that you can form your own party of just a small number of people and actively participate in the political system. Here in the U.S., by contrast, if you're not part of the duopoly, that is a Democrat or a Republican, you don't even get on the ballot without a Herculean effort of gathering tens of thousands of signatures on petitions in every single state. And even then, you get ignored by the press. Well, you get ignored unless you say something stupid, and then the press only gives you airtime so that they can laugh at you. Anyways, now that we're back from the Netherlands, we'll work on more exciting episodes for Democracy on the Move. Meanwhile, thank you for tuning in today. This is Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true democratic principles. We're always looking for sponsors and help with the podcast. If you have any story ideas or you'd like to get your voice on the air, or if you'd like to donate, please contact us at info at democracyonthemove.org. Democracy on the Move is all one word, info at democracyonthemove.org. I'm Dan Schaefer, and thank you for tuning in. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in next week.